This is The Guardian. Hey, Laura Mefiotz here. Two years ago, when Joe Biden was elected as the US president, many believed it would herald a return to normal. But since coming to power, Biden has become increasingly unpopular with voters as the US moves from one crisis to the next. Today, we're bringing you an episode from our global news podcast, Today in Focus, where The Guardian's Washington Bureau Chief, David Smith, talks to host Michael Safi about what's gone wrong in these first two years of the Biden presidency and how November's midterm elections may decide his political future. Okay, here's Michael Safi. They were armed and wandering the Capitol building. After one of the most chaotic periods in modern American history. There were tense and violent scenes with police who'll have never dealt with anything like this. Joe Biden was meant to be a return to normal. A president who was competent, took the job seriously, had integrity and knew how to get things done. This is America's day. This is democracy's day. A day of history and hope, of renewal and resolve. But more than two years since he came to office, the US is reeling from one crisis to the next. It is a weekend of weather extremes. More than 100 million Americans are impacted in much of the lower 48 states. By one estimate, the typical American household is now spending nearly $500 more every month on the same goods and services. It means America's going back to the Middle Ages. President Biden's approval ratings are hitting record lows. Lower than Trump or Obama at their lowest. And some in the Democratic Party are starting to wonder who might replace him on the ballot in two years' time. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, how Joe Biden became America's most unpopular president. David Smith, you're The Guardian's Washington, D.C. bureau chief. And I want to start by going back to 2020 and trying to understand what is it that made Joe Biden such an appealing prospect, someone who beat Donald Trump by about 7 million votes? Well, I think there was a huge appetite to get rid of Donald Trump and find the best person for that job. He was such a, a uniquely disastrous and even authoritarian president in so many people's minds. You know, he posed a, an existential threat to America itself, certainly in the view of Democrats. And they coalesced around Joe Biden as the best person to do that job. This was quite a pragmatic choice, I think, on many levels. So we're going to reject some of the more left-wing options, some of the more diverse options. Uh, Biden is solid, safe pair of hands, former vice president, um, so not necessarily a huge amount of enthusiasm for his policies, but certainly the notion that he would, first of all, beat Donald Trump and secondly, restore just some kind of normality, just get things back to something like the status quo. OK, so in office, what did Biden actually set out to do? How was he promising to change the US? In his inaugural address, Joe Biden talked about four major crises, the coronavirus pandemic, the economy, racial justice and the climate crisis and uh, promised to 
take on all of those. And he also spoke very much about restoring the idea of American democracy, which was so bruised by Trump, and putting America back on the right track. But what was interesting was just before the infamous insurrection on January the 6th, 2021, Democrats picked up two seats in the Senate in Georgia that gave them effectively a majority in the Senate. And that really widened the scope of Biden and the Democrats' ambitions to be more radical and sweeping. And like most presidents, Biden enjoyed decent poll ratings in the early months, and he did manage to use that Senate majority to get some things done. Most notably, we saw him pass a huge COVID relief package. The House has just passed President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. The final vote tally is somewhere around 220 to 211, with only one Democrat voting against it. As well as a bipartisan infrastructure bill. So he had a decent start. Two years into his presidency, if you were his campaign manager, how would you be selling his achievements? Unemployment, for example, is at a 50-year low. They would say Joe Biden has added more jobs to the American economy at this stage of his presidency than any other president in history at the same stage. Now, of course, some quite unique circumstances there in terms of building back after the pandemic, they would say consumer spending is high. There are still many positive indicators in the economy, notwithstanding um, inflation. They would say Biden has appointed many racially diverse judges in the federal judiciary. And um, at least one pundit I spoke to described um, Ukraine and the response to that as Joe Biden's finest hour. Certainly Biden would say he has been a, a standard bearer for um, democracy in an age when it's under siege, both domestically against the Trump base and internationally against Vladimir Putin. OK, so low unemployment, infrastructure spending, getting on top of COVID, racially diverse judges. That's the case for Biden. But the problem, David, is that at the moment, most Americans aren't buying it. Just how unpopular is Joe Biden? It's getting pretty bad. Even within his own party, there was a, a recent opinion poll that said two in three Democrats now do not want Joe Biden to be the presidential nominee in 2024, which is quite grim for an incumbent. Biden has a disapproval rating even worse than Donald Trump at any stage of his presidency, which is wow. pretty extraordinary when you think how divisive, destructive Trump was and how Biden beat him by 7 million votes. And David, do we have a sense of who he's actually lost in his base? Like, I get that there's a fragment of the country that will never vote for Joe Biden, will never approve of him. But do we have a sense of what the people who made up his coalition in 2020 now think of him? I think crucial to this is young voters you hear a lot of them say they're disillusioned with Biden, particularly on issues such as the climate crisis. He's seen as failing to take the issue by the scruff of the neck. Uh, probably no less important are um, voters of colour who very definitely wanted to get rid of Trump, the purveyor of white identity politics at his rallies. Uh, Biden, in his speech um, after winning the election, promised to have the back of, uh, of black voters. And memorably, the Reverend Al Sharpton, a prominent civil rights activist, said a few months later, you know, Mr. President, we are being stabbed in the back. Uh, he said on the night of his election, he being Joe Biden, 
that uh, Black America had my back, I will have yours. And there's nothing more critical in having our back, Mr. President, than this voting rights protection. Some of the disappointment there would, for example, be the the failure of the George Floyd uh, Policing Act that was meant to introduce some policing uh, reforms around uh, shootings and arrests of black people. Uh, Voting rights is another big issue where, again, uh, Biden has not got the job done. He would blame Congress for that. But that's fueled discontent. And then very disturbing things for Democrats are happening among Latino voters. According to a Wall Street Journal poll, Hispanic voters were evenly divided when asked who they would vote for if former President Trump went up against President Biden in the 2024 election. It does suggest the Biden coalition, whatever that meant, could be unraveling. But David, how much of this is Joe Biden's fault? Like the cost of living, for example, is rising everywhere after COVID and petrol prices are spiking because of the war in Ukraine. And Joe Biden can't really stop the Supreme Court from doing things like overturning Roe v. Wade. Like, Are people being unfair here? I think they are a little. I do feel sorry for him. He's trying very hard and American presidents often have less power than people think. In the immediate moment, Congress is very narrowly balanced. The Senate is split 50-50 among Democrats and Republicans. So Vice President Kamala Harris has the casting vote. That's a very fine margin to play with. And you have at least a couple of conservative Democrats who uh, will sometimes vote with the Republicans, thinking of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. So it's very hard to push through radical legislation. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin from Coleridge, West Virginia, today defending his decision to block President Biden's climate legislation, including tax incentives for wind and solar power and electric vehicles. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court now has a conservative 6-3 majority, which is completely not Joe Biden's fault. It's something he inherited and as we saw with not only Roe versus Wade, but gun rights and voting rights and other issues, that is still following a Trumpian track. The abortion ruling is the most dramatic example of how far and how fast the conservative supermajority moved the court to the right. Add to that unforeseen events such as the war in Ukraine or new variants of coronavirus, you could make a case he's been spectacularly unlucky, but... um, You know, politics is all about perception and expectations. And at the beginning, expectations were set very high. You know, you had presidential historians going to the White House, telling Joe Biden that he could be the new Franklin Roosevelt. And he he didn't exactly do much to temper that expectation. David, you said that the presidency is in part about perception, about the way people following it along on Twitter or TV or TikTok are perceiving what the president's doing. And I wonder how much of the unpopularity that Joe Biden's dealing with comes down to his age, the fact that he's 79 years old, that there's been ongoing concerns raised about his health. I mean, he's just had COVID in the past week. And often it seems like he's not operating at the top of his game. That is definitely weaponized against him by right-wing media. That's the level of the propaganda now. It's just taken for granted that Biden is not up to it, too old, and is probably being controlled by others in in the White House. And uh, they 
relentlessly seize on every gaffe, every slip of the tongue to prove that argument. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. If I did that once, it would be the end of the road, right? Be the end of the road. They'd say Trump has lost it. They like to say that anyway, I guess. Huh? When I go to the White House and I see Joe Biden up close, I, I find it tends to vary. There are some moments when he's very lucid and engaged and gets passionate about these issues. He seems younger than his age. But admittedly, there are other moments that I think, for example, of standing on the South Lawn of the White House, watching him come down from the helicopter Marine One and and walk across the lawn to the Oval Office where you're reminded, oh, yes, this is a 79-year-old. There are moments you think uh, he is going to make it, isn't he? (laughs) He's going to walk solidly. But do you hear those same concerns about Biden's age and competence expressed by Democrats? Increasingly, you hear some murmurs. uh, I mean, officially on the record, the vast majority of them would never say such a thing. And of course, they'd rally around Biden. You're not seeing a big public breakaway. More privately, there are people looking out for him in his health and trying not to push him uh, too hard as a 79-year-old. And even David Axelrod, who was a top strategist for Barack Obama, has publicly said, look, of course, at the next election, his age is going to be an issue. As Biden's numbers have sunk, what have other Democrats started to do and say? Like, are there people out there just sniffing the wind a bit, figuring out if anyone has an appetite to maybe explore other options for 2024? We're not yet at a stage of open rebellion where prominent Democrats are calling for Joe Biden to step aside or or throwing their own hats into the ring. But of course, every potential presidential contender is closely watched. If they uh, stick their head out and say something bold about a policy issue, people read into that, oh, you know, they might be running. Just one example is Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, obviously a, a huge Democratic stronghold. He has been pretty vocal on a range of issues lately, and he's been urging Democrats to fight back harder on issues such as abortion rights, which some took to be a a coded criticism of Biden for being too weak. Newsom even made a TV ad that attacked Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who is seen as a potential Republican contender for 2024. Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight. Now, of course, like all good Democrats, Gavin Newsom is saying on the record, you know, he would back Joe Biden in a nanosecond. But uh, that's that's just one example of someone who the Washington pundit class are monitoring uh, closely, as they are a few other contenders, such as Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg and others. And David, you said that one of the most unhappy segments of Joe Biden's base is the left. And one of their most prominent members is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, better known as AOC. I mean, is she someone who could potentially be in the mix in a couple of years? Potentially. You have to be 35 or above to be US president. And she would just uh, scrape in and she would certainly be the youngest president in American history. Which 47 would, years younger than Joe Biden is what she would be, which is incredible. <laughs> you know, uh, I know somebody who's going to turn 35 
uh, about a month before the election in 2024. When she was asked in a recent interview, she did not uh, deny it. Listen, I think that we need to focus on keeping a democracy mm-hmm. for anybody to be president in, in the next couple of years. And that's my central focus is helping the people of this country. Right so now. it's possible. So it's possible. I don't know about that. Well, I don't know about I'm that. just here to get you in trouble. <laughs> exactly. You're getting that's me in trouble. trouble. I don't know about for the left, she would be an absolute dream candidate. She is a self-described democratic socialist. She believes in universal health care. She believes in radical action to tackle the climate crisis. And she's also a political superstar, great on social media, very charismatic. The massive but to all of that is that should provoke an equally strong reaction on the right. And I think there'd be a a lot of independents and moderates who would say, oh, she's too left-wing for me, or she's too young. So it would be an an absolutely um, spectacular gamble for the Democrats. David, this November, Americans will vote in the midterms for a bunch of seats in the House and Senate. But how much are those elections also a test for Joe Biden and whether he has any political future? They are some kind of litmus test for Biden. I mean, we all have to remember whichever party holds the White House does tend to lose seats in midterm elections. Democrats almost certainly will lose the House. But we're talking about expectations and perceptions. Right now, the expectations are so grim for Democrats that if they actually pick up some seats or don't lose as many as expected, and in particular, if they manage to hold the Senate, then that will actually be interpreted as an unlikely triumph for Joe Biden. He will be the new comeback kid. And what if it doesn't work out that way? What if it is the disaster that some Democrats fear it may be? What happens to Joe Biden then? It may be a politically mortal wound. The way it always tends to work is the day after the midterms is the unofficial launch of the presidential race in earnest. I think you know within a day or two of the midterm elections, you would see a chorus of voices saying... This is an emergency. We have to change direction. Joe Biden is not the man to meet this moment. Perhaps we do need to look for a different presidential uh, contender. The other effect, of course, of a democratic meltdown in the midterm elections would be to effectively turn Joe Biden into a, a lame duck president if Republicans control the House and possibly the Senate. You know, if you think Biden has been struggling to get stuff done now, just wait until he's up against a radical Republican party that's determined to block him at every turn. He would begin to look even more weak and ineffective, not a great recipe for success. Coming up, why Joe Biden's fortunes might be tied to an old rival who just won't go away. People know you're a senator. I'm not going to answer the question Why because, you answer that because question? the you question is, the question Supreme is, justice, the radical question, left. Will you who shut is up, your, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? David, this whole discussion takes place in the very big shadow of one man, Donald Trump. How does he, and the possibility that he'll run again in two years, play into the way that Democrats are thinking about Joe Biden? Donald Trump might be uh, Joe Biden's secret weapon in... uh, Really? He'll be Biden's secret weapon? I think that could be in the sense that uh, Trump has not gone away. And that's a, a stark reminder to everybody 
what a threat he poses, what a nightmare those four years were, and how vital it is in many people's minds to stop him winning again. The one person who has shown he can beat Donald Trump is Joe Biden. When it comes to the presidential race, it may still be an animating force for millions of young voters and so on to say, yes, Biden's disappointed us, but we cannot possibly go back to the horror of Trump, who now on top of everything else, we have seen hammered by the January 6th commission and been reminded what a clear and present danger he is to uh, democracy. We saw with our own eyes, rioters menace these halls, threatening the life of the Speaker of the House, literally erecting gallows to hang the Vice President of the United States of America. That's interesting that, in a way, the best hope for Joe Biden is that if Donald Trump is likely to be the next Republican nominee, so their political fates are kind of intertwined. But what happens if the Republicans look like they're nominating someone other than Trump? Then I do think Biden could be in big trouble Let's remember, Donald Trump himself is now in his mid-70s. The Republicans would almost certainly go for a younger, fresher face. And then suddenly the age argument comes into play quite forcefully. Democratic alarm bells would ring that uh, Biden could be in trouble here. Worth mentioning, by the way, that the opinion polls, even the miserable ones for Biden, show that uh, in a matchup, Joe Biden still beats Donald Trump but he would be less confident of that, I think, against another Republican opponent. We're talking here as if Biden's unpopularity is something that's baked in, that it won't change. But is that right? Like, does he have some way to dig himself out of the hole that he's found himself in? I think it's tough now. He can potentially still get some breakthroughs with Congress, which is so much a part of this story. If in the next few months... Joe Biden invites Joe Manchin over to tea at the White House and they have a hallelujah moment and agree millions or perhaps billions of dollars of spending on climate. And whether Biden achieves that with a carrot or a stick, suddenly that would be a fantastic headline for Biden. And at least some of the activists would say, we doubted him, he proved us wrong. Those kind of legislative victories potentially could still happen. With every passing day, they seem to become less and less likely. David, you told me at the beginning of our conversation that Biden was elected because people hoped he might return politics to normal, to this earlier era of, I guess, civility and compromise. And I wonder if the problem isn't so much Biden as that idea that he represents, that in response to the many crises that we're experiencing simultaneously, the answer is going back to normal, rather than seeking to chart some new path, new ideas that actually meet the moment that we're in? Yes, I think that's fair. I I think Biden himself has admitted there has to be a, a new normal. The pandemic, Black Lives Matter process, so much else changed everything. And indeed, many would argue that it was the old political status quo that gave us Donald Trump in the first place. Biden was a, a senator for decades and still, I think, fondly reminisces about the days of senators from both sides going for dinner and being friendly and getting work done together. And that Washington doesn't exist anymore. So he is, to some extent, a man out of time and not necessarily the best person to, to, to reimagine what uh, politics in the 2020s could and should look like. But yeah, that's not an easy task. What he's wrestling with, and they're all wrestling with, is 
one of America's two major parties, namely the Republicans, going outside the democratic mainstream, not respecting the old rules. So you do hear the notion that Joe Biden is fighting for democracy and overseas maybe having some successes, but at the same time, he may be losing the battle at home with Republicans no longer a, a, a normal, whatever that means, democratic party. David, thank you so much. Thank you very much. That was The Guardian's Washington Bureau Chief, David Smith, talking to Today in Focus host, Michael Safi. This episode was produced by Ned Carter-Miles and Eva Krisiak. Sound designed by Axel Cacoutier. The executive producers of Today in Focus are Phil Maynard and Joshua Kelly. Additional production on this episode by Camilla Hannon. Okay, I'm Laura Murphy-Oates and we'll be back with a regular episode of Full Story tomorrow. 